Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. We have a very exciting guest for you today, but before we go into that, I want to thank everybody who listens, watch, and reads Must Read Alaska. If you listen to our podcast here on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, the list goes on. Uh, if you're telling Alexa to play Must Read Alaska, we want to thank you for doing that. And if you enjoy it, you know, we do all this content for free just for you. And, uh, you know, all we ask for is maybe a little review every once in a while. So hit that five-star review. We'd really, really appreciate it. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like, comment, and share, maybe take a friend in it, because uh, this is going to be a very important topic. Uh, and if you enjoy the app world, go to the Android store or the iTunes store, type in Must Read Alaska in that app store, and our app pops right up. It's a free app. We put a lot of time, money, and resources into that, and we made it just for you. If you enjoy it, again, click a five-star review for us. We'd really, really appreciate it. Um, but before we go into um, introducing our guest, Suzanne has a couple words she'd like to say about a piece of news that just broke. Well, first of all, thanks a bunch to you, John. Quick, I just it just occurs to me that you are you you are the best vice president that Must Read Alaska has ever had. <laughs> I think I'm the only one. <laughs> okay, there's I appreciate that, it though. <laughs> there's that too, but you've done a great job on this podcast, building this podcast up. We have an enormous uh, listenership now to it, and and I think we are in our we're in our third year. Is it second year? We're into our third year now, yeah. right? Yep. And uh, it's really grown a lot. And you've done a great job on the app. The app is amazing. We get really good reviews from it. And so I just want to thank you for all you do for Must Read Alaska and for really just uh, taking the bull by the horns on, on the projects that you, you've come up with, which are amazing. Uh, I, I got some bad news this morning. And I think that we've got a story up at the top of Must Read Alaska right now. So one of our former state senators, Ben Stevens, suddenly passed away yesterday. He was uh, hiking with his wife, as I understand, and he had a heart attack and died. He was 63 years old. Ben Stevens um, was a person that I, I was very fascinated by because he was, um, you would think that he had a charmed life because he was the son of Senator Ted Stevens. And so he had a very interesting life, but he didn't have a charmed life. His mother died in a plane crash in 1978 and his father died in a plane crash in, um, 2010 or 2009, I guess it was. And, uh, and Ben had uh, served in the Senate in Alaska, but he didn't have a charm life there either. The FBI just pursued him relentlessly over his contract that he had as a private consultant. And it was, uh, he's just had a, he had a really tough time in, um, in fighting that for years but he was never convicted for anything. It was just a kind of a witch hunt. But anyway, I really always liked Ben Stevens, but I, I would remember him as one of the most intelligent people I'd ever met and uh, somebody who knew politics because he'd been raised in Washington, DC with his dad, uh, you know, Senator Ted Stevens, who was like just Uncle Ted to all of us. 
but it was that was his father. And so um, anyway, uh, our our very um, sincerest condolences to the Stevens family and Elizabeth. I want you to know that we're thinking about you and we have you in our prayers. This well, day. That, that was nice, Suzanne. I think, you know, he's uh, he's a legend up here in Alaska. His family's done a lot for Alaska. So thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll transition here to our guests. I think we're very excited about who our guest is today. So we want to welcome Hayden Ludwig to the Mustard Alaska show. Welcome Hayden. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Glad to be with you both. Thank you very much. Well, well nice. Hayden, Hayden, I just want to, I just, let's, let's set up who he is. He's with oh yeah, Capital that's what I was about to do. Like, like he's Capital Research Group. Maybe people don't know, but that's where Must Read Alaska goes to, to learn all about where dark money is being spent. Capital Research Group and InfluenceWatch.org. This is an amazing group of, of uh, patriots that spend their time researching where all the dark money is coming from and where it's going. And this is how Hayden Ludwig is how we found out about how Arabella Advisors is involved in Alaska elections through the 1630 Fund and the Hopewell Fund and the New Venture Fund and this big web of, of funders that just have these innocuous names. Like, you know, what, what would you hate about Hopewell Fund? Sounds like a nice group of people. And, um, but Hayden has done all the research on it. And I just really am excited that you're on our show because you've been really digging into it a lot lately. And I would say you are pretty much the worldwide expert on Arabella advisors. At least outside their doors, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I, what I could tell you is uh, people throw the term dark money around, but I, I rarely see it defined. And probably the reason is that it doesn't really have a definition. It's a loaded political term. It doesn't, it doesn't actually have a legal meaning or anything like that. And we've discovered that it was actually invented a little over a decade ago by a left-leaning group in DC. And they use it to describe, it's, it's a, a, a nasty way to describe Republican and conservative spending to help Republican candidates in the 2010, 2010 midterms. And since then, uh, it's, it's spread mostly on the left to describe, they say, uh, spending where they can't identify the donors. But what they really, really mean is free speech that they want to stifle, that they want to shut down. And that's why you see guys like Senator Sheldon Whitehouse out in Rhode Island, who's the chief anti-dark money hawk in the Senate, constantly claiming that dark money on the right has bought the Supreme Court and stuff like that. But the reality we've discovered, and we are one of the very few groups on the conservative side doing any research compared to the many dozens doing the similar kind of opposition research on the left, um, what we found is in fact, the left has vastly more quote unquote dark money than does the right. Um, and I say that by the way, as, as somebody who represents an organization that's very interested in preserving donor anonymity and free speech rights under the first amendment, we think of going back to the American revolution, all of the anonymous uh, patriots who wrote uh, for revolution to, to encourage people to rise up for the war of independence that wouldn't have been able to do so if they had to publish their own names because they would have been blackmailed and targeted by the British. Uh, you know, you can imagine what would have happened. It's the same thing today. And that's why we wanna preserve anonymity under the first amendment while attacking the hypocrites who wanna keep their own anonymity for their own donors on the left while stripping it for everybody else they disagree with. A, a, a case in point, I wrote a story yesterday about um, something up here in Alaska that you, you'll just be fascinated. This will make you laugh, Aiden. Um, so the group that, that wrote uh, and funded 
a ballot measure two, which is our new ranked choice voting <clears throat> jungle primary and um, and then this supposed uh, getting rid of dark money. In other words, all donors have to be exposed. Major donors have to be exposed. And this was ballot measure two in 2020. And outside money came from United America PAC and from Fair, Fair Vote, or I think it's Fair Vote, and a couple of other, these big ones. And these are part of this sort of Arabella type network, John Arnold and Mary Arnold and these people around the country that put money in. I think Catherine Murdoch was a big pusher of this ballot measure too as well. So they wrote this, this bill, this act, they passed the voters because they were convinced, the voters were convinced that, you know, everybody hates dark money, let's get rid of dark money. And that's how they marketed it. But they were really trying to get through was the um, ranked choice voting so that Lisa Murkowski could get reelected in the open primary so she wouldn't have to face her, um, her uh, uh, Republican, angry Republican base anymore. So <laughs> anyway, so just last month, this is gonna just crack you up. The very people who wrote ballot measure two, Scott Kendall, lawyer, you know, about town, went to Alaska Public Offices Commission to find out if Unite America actually had to abide by ballot measure two because they didn't want to. They did not want to reveal their top donors wow. because they were transferring $30,000 into an AFL-CIO PAC that's been opposing the governor who's Republican and a whole bunch of other Republican candidates and propping up Democrat candidates. And then they transferred another $100,000 into that PAC called uh, putting Alaskans first. You know, they always do these innocuous names, of course, but it's the AFL-CIO PAC and it's anti-Republican. And they did not want to reveal their donors. So they went to, they got their lawyers and they went to the APOC, which is the Alaska Public Offices Commission and said, we don't really have to abide by ballot measure two, do we? <laughs> That's the one they wrote. I mean, their very lawyers wrote it. And so, uh, so the, the, the staff at APOC has written a, a advisory opinion. They don't make the decision, but they'll advise the commission itself and said, well, yes, you kind of do. You kind of have to abide by it. But anyway, it was one of those ironic things where, yes, what's good for you is not what is good for me. Yes, you know, I found, uh, we'll talk about more of the structure of this Arabella network, but I found some of the members of this network advocating for uh, the For the People Act, HR1, a few years ago. That, that, this was, for the listeners aren't familiar, this is the Democrats' Well, basically, they're in everything they would ever want kind of bill. But one of the chief things in there was, you know, we need to strip away dark money. So we need to reveal all these donors. Well, this is a dark money group supporting that. And I don't think they're doing it on principle. I think they're doing it because they see a political advantage. But I also seen other instances where other Arabella fronts uh, or groups have uh, complained when, when, when in places like Montana, uh, where the state asked them to reveal their donors because they were operating as a kind of um, political action committee that would have to reveal its donors rather than a regular old nonprofit that they normally operate as. So of course the big lawyers come out saying, no, 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 we don't have to disclose all of these things. And I, I mean, really when they do this stuff, it's not about transparency. It's not about improving campaign finance. It's really actually about power and manipulation and obfuscation. That's how they work. And that's, that's how they're known to their donors. So I'd be shocked if they weren't doing that in DC and in the States. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so let's talk about the Arabella Group because you have a story up at capitalresearch.org, which is where you write mostly. And we really appreciate that you've written for Us Read Alaska a couple of times. And in fact, um, we like to use your stories at Capital Research because uh, 1630 Fund is very involved in elections up here. 
and so is New Venture Fund. They they fund the group called the Alaska Center. It used to be called the Alaska Center for the Environment, but they had to they wanted to sort of scrub that crazy environmentalist thing out of their name. So now they just sound like they're just normal people at the Alaska Center. But they're taking all this dark money that you write about. Uh, okay, so you don't like calling it dark money, but it's Arabella Advisors money. It is. Uh, it's a big network. So talk to us a little bit about what you've been finding out about Arabella recently. Yes. And I do use the term dark money. I just use it sarcastically. Okay. Very <laughs> good. Point out, this is what they're doing too. Well, so the Arabella network is run by a company, for-profit LLC, like most companies in this country called Arabella Advisors, located in Washington, D.C., uh, not far from my office, actually, in Washington, D.C. And this company is a consulting firm whose clients include large left-wing donors, but mostly big foundations like Ford Foundation or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, names that you'd probably know and many names that you wouldn't know. Most of these groups, perhaps nearly all of them, are left of center all the way to radical left. And the idea is that Arabella presents itself as very innocuous. Look, we just we help with advising how to make grants. You know, we do all sorts of apolitical things where, where we help cut checks, you know, these kinds of innocuous services. But what Arabella is infamous for on our side, but very well known for among the left-wing donors they cater to, is running a network of nonprofits, five of which uh, live in this nonprofit world, this network, all of which were founded by Arabella senior leadership. The guy you need to know is a name, his name's Eric Kessler. Eric Kessler has a background in, in pretty far left uh, environmental politics back in the 1990s. He worked for a group called the League of Conservation Voters, which even groups on the left call a dark money heavyweight. That's a quote. He worked in the Clinton administration in the Depart Department of uh, uh, the Interior for a little while, again, environment, right, before he started Arabella Advisors in 2005. This network started up a year after that, which means it was going for about almost 15 years doing dark money activism before anybody noticed it. We actually were on the first to report it on it in uh, late 2018. So how does this nonprofit network work? Well, these nonprofits take grant money from like Ford Foundation, Gates Foundation, and they pass it through to groups like League of Conservation Voters or other activist groups doing, man, you name it, pro-abortion work, radical environmental work, uh, trying to get DC statehood, trying to do, well, in Alaska, trying to influence uh, who gets elected in the 2022 midterms, trying to block uh, ballot propositions in the states. I know right now we've wrote, a, wrote about this at your website, trying to block uh, the proposed constitutional convention for one reason or another, I'm not clear on. And what's the idea here? That you have these large foundations that pitch themselves as high-minded philanthropists. You know, they want to be seen as movers and shakers who wear expensive business suits. They don't get involved in grubby politics. We're above that sort of thing. But they actually really do want to get involved in grubby politics. So Arabella's service uh, washes their name away. So from the outside, an investigative journalist myself, who's an expert on nonprofit work, can basically see money pumping into these, these nonprofits, this network, and I can see money pumping out of these nonprofits to the activist worlds, but I can never tell you, oh yeah, Gates gave 5 million bucks to this green group over here. That's the entire purpose. It launders the names of the original donors, which allows them to do the kind of political activist, oftentimes partisan work, and to influence policy all over the states. And it's mostly done in the shadows. 
That's half of what they do. The other half is just as insidious. Arabella runs a network of what we call pop-up groups. We call them that because they're websites that look like fully fledged independent nonprofits or act or grassroots activist groups. And you have names, ridiculous names like New Jerseyans for a fair economy or North Carolinians for the future, very generic, but they're actually just websites. And those websites can be linked back to the nonprofit network run by Arabella advisors and its staffers, which are hired out from the company to the nonprofits for a fee. Everything is run in the DC headquarters. But if you're a man on the street in Ohio or Florida, you are fooled into thinking, oh yeah, these are grassroots people just like I am who really care about local issues, not a major you know, multi-billion dollar foundation funding political activism in DC, pretending, trying to fool me into thinking this is all local stuff. So it's, it's the most, it's the epitome of dark money. And the most amazing thing is nobody reported on it for yeah 15 years of its existence. Nobody knew about it on the right. And, and I'm very pleased to say we've, we and others have helped make it the poster child of dark money and prove the left has a heck of a lot more of it than the right does. Yeah, you know, that's really fascinating because you've talked about those two aspects, you know, these pop-up groups and then the the, the laundering of money to uh, this huge network of, of obviously partisan, to me, it's obviously partisan groups that are working to reshape America. And you haven't yet talked about how they're also funding the media. And they're, the, these, this, is a, this is a fascinating piece. I want to hear about this. Right. Well, I think the group you're referring to is called States Newsroom. It's a little bit of a long story. So States Newsroom is one of the, was one of those pop-up groups we talked about. Mm-hmm. It was funded by one of the Arabella nonprofits, which you referenced earlier, the Hopewell Fund, a very generic name. And States Newsroom, uh, it's since spun off and become an independent nonprofit, but the idea was always to set, create a series of um, state-based journalistic groups that present themselves as, you know, just the facts, straight down the middle reporting, no spin but in fact are very progressive, secretly progressive, report on transgenderism and LGBT issues and the environment and things that are intended to fool you into, well, sympathizing with their political position. Now remember, all of this was launched from DC offices and spread out all over the country in key states like Arizona and North Carolina, places that the left intends to flip from red to purple to blue. And most recently, we tracked that earlier this year, spreading to Juneau and Anchorage, among other places. The most damning thing about this is if you go to these websites, um, that they, and they won't show themselves as being outwardly progressive, the leadership of these groups, the fellow who's running the, uh, the new Alaska branch of the state's newsroom network comes from North Carolina. Well, where does he come from? He comes from the network of highly partisan democratic activist groups trying to flip the state. And his background is in progressive politics. In fact, I found an old job posting from a couple of years ago for his then North Carolina front for the state's newsroom network, bragging that it was a progressive political journalism startup. That's a quotation. But now, of course, when they come to Alaska, oh, no, 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 there's no no progress in sight. No, it's very straight down the middle. Well, I don't believe that. I don't think anybody should believe that. But it shows you how the left is trying to tap into this, um, you know, anti-fake news stuff that's really fake news in itself. It's all it's all spin. Right. When these popped up these newsrooms to begin with, they were they were just these pop up groups. 
and they were they have these innocuous names again that sounds like you know the Des Moines uh, bugle or whatever it is, just 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 a, a name like up here at the Alaska Beacon. And what's interesting is is that in Alaska now they have five people in their newsroom. That has created the biggest political newsroom in the state. And you can see their work is being spread throughout all of the mainstream media outlets. That everybody's using them. They just pick up their stories and run with them. And this is how they shape the narrative. They shape the mainstream media can shape the narrative because they are now getting free content from this left left wing group. And the people who are writing for the Alaska Beacon are some of the top political reporters in the state that were wooed over to help get this thing going and started up. They came from the NPR world. They came from the, um, the Anchorage Daily News. They came from uh, just, uh, there's a, a gal working there who worked for Reuters as a stringer. So you've got people who are, already left-leaning and they just are attracted to this and this is very entrepreneurial i gotta hand it to them they've been successful so far in being able to take over the media up here and so then you have mustard alaska over here just sort of shaking our fist in the wind but you know but so so what what is next for you and uh you're working on Arabella, you're working on 1630 Fund, which we, we have written about recently, trying to reshape mm. our state by, uh, by opposing the Constitutional Convention. And I, I wanted to answer that before you, before you go on. The reason that they want to oppose our Constitutional Convention is because if you open up our Constitution, you might end up with a different way of picking the judiciary. And right now, our judiciary is, um, is picked through our Judicial Council, which is dominated by the Alaska Bar Association. The Alaska Bar Association basically controls the picks of the judges. They offer two or three picks to the governor and they're all gonna be liberal and the governor has no choice. He has to pick one from the list. So he's the governor, no matter what governor you get in there, you can't fix the judiciary because the, the Bar Association controls it. And that would be a very compelling reason to want to, um, to open up that constitution. Some of us think that this is a very poor way of doing, uh, of picking the judiciary. I think it's called the Missouri plan. It's not a good way. Um, but the, uh, the forces that be don't want to see that change. You change the judiciary and you can change a lot of things. Right now, we have a very strong privacy clause in our constitution and our judiciary has interpreted that to mean that abortion is legal up to the moment of birth. I mean, that's your privacy. That's your, your, your woman's privacy up to the moment when she gives birth, then uh, she has a privacy to do what she wants with her body. Once that baby leaves the body, then the baby has privacy. But there's no absolutely no protection for the baby at any stage of its gestation until it leaves the womb. So that's kind of interesting because uh, we can't change the ju judiciary until we get that constitution changed. So the 1630 fund is pouring a lot of money in to, to fight. Um, to keep that constitution closed and, and change. Well, I'll tell you that that really rings true. One of the the most probably most enduring legacies that Arabella's created is a group called Demand Justice. This was actually, matter of fact, how I discovered the Arabella Network uh, back in late 2018. Quick story: uh, we were we were documenting the activist groups that were protesting uh, Justice Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings. So this would be about this time of year, actually, in 2018. And I kept seeing this name, these glossy pre-printed signs called Demand Justice. 
group I'd never heard of before, uh, did some digging and discovered that that website, sure enough, is <laughs> goes all the way back to this Arabella network. And we just kept following the strings and led you to the entire network of organizations that share the same address, one address. It's pretty stunning. Well, that organization, now it's become an independent organization for one reason or another. Uh, but what's stunning is it was involved in protesting Almost all, except for uh, Neil Gorsuch, it was in protested almost all of President Trump's Supreme Court picks and uh, many of his his top appellate court picks as well, like Naomi Rao in D.C., uh, very important positions. Um, but more importantly, it's been pushing for uh, Supreme Court. In fact, I think it was the group that originated the whole Supreme Court packing push a few years ago under the last president. Well, now as an independent organization, Arabella claims that it has nothing to do with it. So I keep saying it's independent. I'm not sure that that's really true, but that's what they say. Demand Justice was deeply involved in uh, getting uh, Justice Katanji Jackson from a, a no-name uh, judge what nobody ever heard of before all the way up the ladders uh, through Washington politics into the Supreme Court in just a scant few years. You know, because she's a diehard progressive. They identified her and fast-tracked her all the way up. Now, that's a, that's very powerful and influential for an organization that's trying to totally reshape America's court system to make it more ideological, to make it more partisan. So to see this network of groups trying to do the same kind of thing or preserve that legacy in the states, yeah, that they think that far ahead. Conservatives, I've noticed, tend to take the battle right in front of them, and they'll they love to picture themselves like they're Mel Gibson and the Patriot, you know, charging up the hill, yeah. everything right now to win this battle. You know, the left doesn't think that way. They think yeah. five, 10, 15, 20 years, a generation down the road. And, I, and I'm afraid that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're playing checkers. They're playing chess. John, what do you have? What kind of questions do you have for our really intelligent guest? I think he's got more brain cells than we do, don't you think? Yeah, I appreciate you joining us, Hayden, and, and we're running... Uh, shortly, quickly on time here, but um, I was wondering what's some, what's one of the most outlandish things that you've seen as an investigative journalist, you know, looking into this kind of stuff? Have you seen everything under the sun so far? Has there been one thing that stuck out to you that says, I can't believe this happened? You know, yeah, there's there's been quite a few. There's been quite a few. Uh, you'd be shocked to know how much money the left spends on voter registration, not, not busting people to the polls. They do that too. I mean, just straight up, hey, you're not registered to vote and you're eligible. Let's get you registered because it turns out people in huge numbers. We spent a lot of time in the world of election integrity research discovering that. But even more shocked is uh, shocking is that the left spends tens of millions of dollars at least every 10 years trying to influence the outcome of the census. So I don't know if this is a little bit of but some of your listeners may know that the Census Bureau only a few months ago announced that it had undercounted many states, almost all of which were run by Republicans, and it overcounted the population in states that almost all of which were run by Democrats. And that matters because that determines how many seats in Congress each of those states gets, among other things like federal funding, too. Well, I was reporting for years before that about these groups that were big coalitions spending big money trying to turn out the census vote, basically, it's not really a vote, but turn out people to respond to their census forms in blue states so that I think Democrats would lose fewer seats over time in the 2022 census uh, than they would actually lose if 
these foundations were involved. And that's stunning when you think that these are all tax exempt nonprofits. These are groups that existed, you know, be like churches and soup kitchens. That's charity. The left thinks of charity as, well, busing people to polls and getting them to vote. That's how the left does it. So this weaponization of America's philanthropic sector is this huge, very underreported story that we try every day to to make clear because this is not how this country was set up to be. <laughs> We're not meant to do that, uh, and it's it's very shameful. And I and I hope one day we are able to fix that problem. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, up here, here in Alaska, we kind of look at the nonprofit sector as sort of the, the fourth branch of government, and they're very, very, very powerful up here. They are essentially uh, an arm of the Democratic Party. Almost all of the nonprofits are that we can think of. You know, I'd really like to get you up to Alaska sometime. Hayden, you are so bright and you're such a, a good communicator. So let's get you and your wife and let's get you on a cruise and let's let's uh, bring you up to Alaska and have you do some some talks in Anchorage. I think that we could really, uh, I think the Alaskans really need to hear from you. You are, uh, uh, you've done a lot of good work and you've done, you, you've helped us a lot here at Mustard Alaska, I will say, because without your research, I would never be able to do these stories that I do on 1635 and I'm gonna keep doing them, but uh, I give you the credit for laying this incredible groundwork. People need to find out more about you at capitalresearch.org. And also um, your work, I believe, is over at influencewatch.org, which is one of the, a very good site that you guys run. Thank you. We try to profile every group on the left that we can. And uh, so if any of your listeners find an organization that's not on there, please let us know and we'd be happy to. And thank super, you. Yeah, super informative. Well, thanks. And John, you want to sign us off for our, uh, our wonderful listening public? Yep. Thanks so much, Hayden, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, again, folks that uh, want to look into this a little more, they can go to capitalresearch.org uh, and you can check out Influence Watch. Uh, they got a podcast as well that kind of exposes the left and a lot of the stuff that Hayden has been talking about. And uh, we want to just thank folks for uh, watching the Must Read Alaska show, listening to the Must Read Alaska show and reading on mustreadalaska.com. If you enjoy our news, please feel free to go to mustreadalaska.com and click on that right-hand side there. There's a donate button. We survive off $5 donations, $10 donations, $100 donations. We're not funded by some, funded by some big nonprofit conglomerate. We're funded by everyday folks, everyday Alaskans, just like yourself that are listening, reading, and watching. So uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska.